This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The NFL Combine is now in the books. It's been a couple of days to kind of process it all. And here at Saturday to Sunday, the pre-draft process is in full effect. Stock up, stock down, rankings movement, tiers movement. So we thought it was a good time. Now with the Combine in the rearview mirror, all my thoughts on the Combine can be found on those three instant reaction pods. So if you want to hear any of my initial thoughts on what transpired specifically at the Combine in terms of 40-yard dash times, athletic testing, on-field drills, please make sure you check out those instant reaction pods. I did one for night one, talking wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks. I did one for night two, talking running backs and offensive linemen. And then I combined day three and day four, talking about all of the defensive prospects, sharing my takes on who I thought improved their their stock from their combine performance. But it's always one of those things that when you give an instant reaction show, you know, there's not time to process it yet. And when I did those shows, the combine had just wrapped up each of those nights. I hadn't had a chance to really sit down, look at my rankings, look at my tiers. And that's what I've been doing since the combine ended. And I'm recording this, you know, late Thursday night. And now I've had a little bit of time to kind of process and and make sense of some of that information that we saw. And like I said, I'm somebody that believes the combine has a lot of merit. It sometimes sends you going back to the film. And I know I have a list of guys and I'll talk about them tonight that I, I want to go back and find some more film on because I'm still a little bit uncertain in terms of how to rank some guys. But there were things from the combine that helped me sort some things, especially at the running backs, you know, within tiers, some small tier jumps. We saw some athletic differences between guys that I think help that helps kind of organize and sort rankings a little bit at, at times. And then it also sends you going back to the film. And I have a list of guys, and like I said, I'll mention them coming up, but there's a list of guys that I want to go back and watch. And I still think there's a lot of uncertainty at the tight end position. Part of it is a lot of the top guys didn't really test, especially in the 40 and stuff. So I do think it's a good time to kind of give some general stock up, stock down in terms of rankings and tiers. And then we're hoping for next week to maybe start getting some guests on, pick their brains a little bit. And then obviously, as I make more adjustments, I'll let you, I'll keep you in the loop. If you're someone who's follow, who has all the premium content, you could see my ranking changes, my tier changes in, in real time, right? As soon as I do them in the Google document, it updates and you guys see them immediately. For anybody who maybe was new uh, to following me over this past weekend and joined me for all my combine takes, maybe you're checking out the podcast for the first time, you know, I love the interaction on Twitter. Do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions on players. Uh, If you want all my takes, you know, we'd really appreciate if you get over to the website, SS Football, and for $9.99, you get access to all the premium notebooks. You get the scouting notebook, which has almost 100 detailed offensive scouting reports, you get the rankings notebook, which has all my rankings, all my tiers. It'll have dynasty rookie rankings after the draft. It still has last year's dynasty rookie rankings updated. And then it has the positional dynasty rankings, which 
are on the short list of things to update very soon. Obviously, there's been a lot of major, major movement, especially the quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers staying, Russell Wilson being traded, you know, lots of things, Carson Wentz being traded. So there's a lot of movement. Those rankings need to be updated, hopefully by uh, the end of the weekend. Those positional dynasty rankings are updated a little bit as well. And then you get the rankings, you get the draft projections notebook in April, which basically I gave you a snapshot of what to expect in that. You basically will have 400 to 500 prospects in there by position, tabs for every position, offense and defense, a quick snapshot of how they win, which is basically what I was putting out there on Twitter for every player from the combine. But then you also get another section, which is a snapshot of some developmental or concerning areas about them. And then you get, you know, their combine testing numbers, if they did anything at the combine, their best positional fits and the projection and where I think they're going to go off the board. And I rank it by that based on everything I'm hearing, reading and listening to uh, ears on the ground for every resource that's possibly out there. Uh, I'll be listening to over the next couple of months to try to make some sense of how these guys could come off the board. So please, if, you, if you've never checked it out, if you're new to Saturday, Sunday, please consider purchasing it. It is the livelihood and the lifeblood of what we do here. Also, I was privileged to be a guest on the Fantasy Pros football podcast just this week. And I joined the guys there and we did a full round one mock draft. So uh, if you want to check that out, that was a lot of fun. You can find it on their YouTube video at Fantasy Pros. Uh, you could also find it, you know, as a podcast on any device that you listen to your podcast. But that was a lot of fun joining those guys uh, to do a full round one mock draft. So uh, check that out as well. So let's kind of jump right into it, and I'll kind of go through and talk about some of my rankings adjustments, some of my some of my tiers adjustments, you know, in this stock report now post-combine. So let's start at the quarterback position, because like I said, the, the combine really doesn't do much to move the needle in terms of the quarterbacks. And I think nothing that happened really this weekend changed my perspective. The one thing this couple small things that I adjusted. One, I've been saying that for quite some time that I was on the fence of how to rank one, two. I had Corral, I had Willis. And the more I talked on air, the more I talked about when you combine his athletic profile, you combine his arm talent and his upside and ceiling, everything that I believe in, in terms of wanting a franchise quarterback, in terms of a game changer, if Malik Willis hits, I don't see a scenario where he's not a big-time quarterback prospect. I just think we're, if he's going to hit, he's going to hit good. If he doesn't hit, he's going to be a bust, and he's not going to pan out. But because of that, because of the traits, because of what's out there, his film, his athletic profile, I flip-flopped Willis and Corral. Maybe it switches back the other way before draft night, but they're locked into my one-two. I've said for quite some time there's nothing Kenny Pickett can do to get to that third, uh, to get above third for me. So I still have Willis and Corral and Pickett in a tier of himself. I still think those are going to be the three guys that end up going, uh, the first three quarterbacks on the board. But I do think that there is now legitimate discussion of whether or not Desmond Ritter can get to Matt Corral. And I think that is a legitimate debate. I know for me, I have Desmond Ritter now at the top of my tier two. And if a, if a four quarterbacks were to ever go in round one, and I don't think four are, I think Ritter would be the guy. I think Willis and Pickett, I think, are definitely going round one. And then I think Corral and Ritter are the other two guys. I have a slight tier 
separation between Willis Corral and Pickett to Desmond Ritter, a little bit older, but I continue to say reminds me a lot of Callan Kaepernick. I still have him in that tier with Sam Howell and Carson Strong. No change there. The only other change at the quarterback position is into my tier three, I move Jack Cohn. So now Jack Cohn is with Caleb Ellaby and with Bailey Zappi. Uh, Jack Cohn is a guy who had a good trying performance. He's a guy who, when you watch more film on him, you appreciate what he does bring to the table, but he is who he is. He's a more of a traditional pocket passing quarterback. He's not at the level of Carson Strong, but if you're looking for Carson Strong around two or round three, you don't get him, but you want that more traditional pocket passing quarterback. I think you can think about a guy like Cone, uh, maybe somewhere around four, around five. So I, I moved him up into the third tier from the fourth tier. He was at the top of my fourth tier. He made a small move up my tiers and into my rankings. Now he comes in as my QB seven and he's the top of my tier three there uh, for that. Besides that, not a lot of other movement in terms of EJ Perry was a, was a guy that looked pretty good at the combine. So he moved up a couple spots in my tier four, but another guy who late, late round draft pick or priority free agent. If we take this to the running backs and I talked a lot about on the instant reaction show, the top of the combine, uh, the, the top of the running back market for me really didn't change in terms of the combine. For me, I still have Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker as my clear top two. The one thing that I did do is I can now see a scenario where Isaiah Spiller, I think, is still locked in as the RB3, but I think there's more separation now with Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker down to Isaiah Spiller. And I kept them all in the same tier for me because that tier is really, you know, round one, uh, you know, to round one or round two type prospect. And I still think Isaiah Spiller has a chance to go. I think we could see a little bit of run in round two, but I think Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker have kind of separated themselves as being the clear guys. They checked off those boxes in terms of their athletic profile, do they deserve to go round one? I mean, listen, we saw Najee Harris go round one. We've seen Josh Jacobs. We've seen Clyde edwards helaire I don't think Brees Hall and Kent Walker are that far off those guys in terms of it. I just think it's, I just think as more time goes on, we've continued to see that NFL teams understand that the positional value is just not there. So I think Brees Hall and Kent Walker probably go in the first 15 to 20 picks in round two. I think Isaiah Spiller probably goes late round two, and if not late round two, then the early portion of round three would be my guess uh, in terms of that. So as I'm talking on air here, I think I'm going to kind of say that I'm going to slightly adjust, and I'm going to move Isaiah Spiller down to my tier two, and I'm just going to have tier one, which is round one or early round two, that's going to be Kenneth Walker for me and Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall is clearly at the top of that. So for me, I have Hall and Kenneth Walker in tier one. And now I have just Isaiah Spiller and James Cook in tier two. We have to react to what we saw with Kyron Williams. I had James Cook and Kyron Williams in my tier two. They were my fourth and fifth running backs. James Cook is still there at number four overall and in my second tier but I had to move Kyron Williams down. I still like his film, but that was such an outlier performance in terms of his combine testing for a guy who's 5'9", sub 200 pounds. 
that what I think is going to happen is, is that athletic profile is going to hurt his draft stock so much that now he's really going to, the amount of time and the opportunity is directly correlated with draft stock. And if people don't think draft capital matters in terms of opportunity and the leash that you have, you're kidding yourselves. If Kyron Williams went on day two, he would have had every opportunity to become a significant part of a team's backfield. Now, I don't see any scenario where Kyron Williams goes on day two. And now that he's not going to go on day two, and he's going to go somewhere around four, round five, round six, who knows how far he falls. I still think he probably goes round four. But now the leash and the opportunity that he's going to be given is going to be significantly different than if he went somewhere on day two. So you just have to adjust to that. So for me, Hall and Walker tier one, Spiller and Cook tier two. Now, this is where it really stretches out for me. And while the combine helped me kind of sort within the tier and helped me move down Kyron Williams, I still have a lot of questions with this next huge chunk of running backs. And that is still the one area where I'm having difficulty sorting out these rankings that I want to watch more film. The combine helped me sort a little bit. And that was really because I was really intrigued to see how the space players did in terms of their athletic profile. Because if you're going to be a space player, a pass catching running back at the next level, I want to see that you have some juice too. If you're going to be a change of pace guy, you got to offer change of pace. You got to be able to make people miss. You got to be able to beat people to the edge. You got to be able, if you get to the second level, to take it to the house and make a big play. And that's why Kyron Williams had to go down in this from tier two to tier three and more in the middle of this tier. Because now there's legitimate questions on when he's faced up against quicker, faster, bigger athletic defenders, can he survive? And I think that's a legitimate question now. And I'll get to some of the space players in a second. But the biggest movement within my tier three at the running backs is I wanted to see if any of those power backs, the big guys, Zamir White, uh, Kevin Harris, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, Jerome Ford, those guys, did anybody sort – do something at the combine that helped me. Now, Kevin Harris didn't perform. I mean, Kevin Harris didn't perform. He's, he's coming back from an injury. But what did happen at the combine was, for me, Zamir White and Brian, Wob- Brian Robinson, Zamir White out of Georgia, Brian Robinson out of Alabama, kind of helped differentiate themselves. Zamir White with his really good 40 time in the low 4-4s, completely different type of athleticism than those other big backs. We knew he was a big-time recruit. Georgia, you know, they had such a great all-around team that in a different program, a different team, he might have been asked to carry a major workload, Zamir White, and been able to handle it. So for me, Zamir White is now my RB5. He's at the top of my tier three. I think there's a really realistic chance that he's the RB5 in the NFL draft. And then Brian Robinson compared to Damian Pierce, compared to Tyler Algier, he stood out by running a low 4-5 time, which is even faster than I thought he was for a man his size. So for me, Zamir White and Brian Robinson now kind of are in that 5-6 ranking spot. And those guys are at the top of my tier three. Because I think a team late round three to early round four is going to draft those guys. And they're going to be given every opportunity to be right off the bat, sooner rather than later, be a part of a committee. And both those guys could be really good early down runners. They showed better athleticism 
than I think people thought they were going to have. And I like both of those guys in a class that, I, listen, I think there's a lot of functional backs. I don't think there's a lot of clear-cut starters. I think there's a lot of guys that could be a part of a committee. I think Samir White and Brian Robinson kind of solidified their status with their combine performance. So I think stock up on both of those guys. Now, the space players, there wasn't as much separation as I was hoping. For me, next in this tier, I still have these guys grouped together because I still want to be able to kind of see what happens with these guys. And that's Tyler Batty out of Missouri, Rashad White out of Arizona State, Jerry Neely out of Ole Miss, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. And now I've bumped Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State kind of into that group as well based on his really, really impressive combine testing performance. Uh, obviously coming from South Dakota State, the level of competition is a question. Obviously a great film, but now he's in that mix. And listen, I think I'm much higher on Jerry Neely than the consensus out there. And I got to be honest with you, he, he disappointed me a little bit at the combine. I was expecting a much more prolific athletic testing for a guy like Ely because we know the size is an issue, but I thought he was going to test out as like a really, really big time athlete. I thought he was going to run a faster 40. I thought he was, I thought he was going to jump better. So there was things about Ely's game. I still like his game. I still think he could be, you know, a, a player at the next level and have a role at the next level, maybe like a Chase Edmonds style. But I thought his athletic profile was going to be a little bit greater. Like when Tariq Cohen came into the league, his he his athletic profile was an elite athletic profile. I kind of thought Ely was going to test like that, so I was a little disappointed that he didn't. So I pro I bumped him down a little bit. I think he's probably still much higher for me than he is for other people, but I still think that Tyler Batty, Rashad White, Jerry Ely, and this is where I have Kyron Williams now. Also, I think all of them could still be guys at the next level that could be really good pass catching running backs. I think. Beatty shows that he's more got more big play upside, I think. I think that's what the combine kind of proved and what we saw this year. And then I think Rashad White and Jerry Neely, their play speed is faster than maybe what their time speed was, even though White did sneak in just under a 4.5. Ely was in the mid 4.55s. And then obviously we know Kyron Williams, who's just going to have to show that even with those speed limitations and deficiencies, he could still be a good pass catching running back and hopefully – uh, you know, get an opportunity to show that Pierre Strong is the biggest riser. You know, the performance he put on at the combine, outstanding, showing that athletic profile, showing the speed, the movement. So that was really impressive. And then for me, I round out my tier three with the rest of those power backs Kevin Harris, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, Jerome Ford. For me, I was a little disappointed in Tyler Algier. There was a lot of buzz that maybe his straight line burst was going to be a little bit faster than it was. That it wasn't the case. Damian Pierce, same thing. I think these guys are good functional backs, are going to go probably round four. Some of these guys probably will get pushed around five. I think they can be functional backs at the next level and be early down runners. They can move the, the chains. They can be short yardage runners. And and that's kind of, I think they could have a role at the next level. But I think there's a lot to sort out here. I'm still having a really hard time with this third tier that starts at the top with Zamir White and Brian Robinson, who I have less questions with, and Tyler Batty. But then those other guys didn't test out as well as I would like in terms of the space guys. And then the other power guys left a little bit to be desired in terms of their straight line speed and their burst. And I know that isn't the be end end all. I get it. That wasn't really their game, but 
you know, you watch these guys play and, and what really makes them different than, you know, a depth running back at the next level who's an early down runner, you know, like, you know, Samaj P. Ryan is is there that much difference between a guy like Samaj P. Ryan, who is a great college player, better than Tyler Algier, better than Damian Pierce, uh, better than Kevin Harris, better than Jerome Ford? Is are these guys substantially better? Than Samaj P. Ryan and Samaj P. Ryan has made had himself a nice NFL career and he stayed around. He's you know he's he's been in the league a while now and he's a he's a functional backup running back. And I'm not sure these guys come into the league any different than a guy like Samaj P. Ryan. And that's where I struggle with these guys because to me they're depth running backs. They make out a depth chart. Some of them could become backups. Some of them could become third stringers. And some of them could be part of a committee depending on how the team views the running back position. So, you know, sorting this out is still to me something that I'm going to be continue to kind of work on to try to solidify my tier three here in terms of the rankings. And the only thing I want to talk about in tier four is I moved up Devante price and Ty Chandler to the top of that tier. I've been a Ty Chandler fan since last year. You know, if you've been someone listening to Saturday, Sunday, since then, he was always a guy that I liked at Tennessee. I was excited for the UNC transfer. He looked great at the Shrine game, and the, and the all the practice reports were fantastic. Uh, and then he goes out there and tests with a four four five, showing more speed and explosiveness than I think most people thought he had. And then Devontae Price, obviously a small school guy, showing that burst and speed also for a guy his size was really impressive. So they're kind of now at the top of that tier. Uh, the rest of that tier is kind of status quo. Zonovan Knight, Abram Smith, Snoop Connor, Ty Davis-Price, uh, Kennedy Brooks, Hassan Haskins, and those guys. Uh, but the big movers in, in terms of their stock up was Devontae Price and Ty Chandler to the top of that tier four. Uh, I wanted to cut off tier three at some point, but I don't think there's a big difference between – the guys at the bottom of tier three, Ford, uh, Algier, I don't think there's a huge difference between those guys and Devontae Price and Ty Chandler either, but I didn't want to have 16 running backs or whatever, you know, in my in my third tier there. I already have uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I already have like nine or ten guys in that tier three, so I tried to find a cutoff point uh, and, and then start a new tier, and that was with Devontae Price and Ty Chandler. If we go over to the pass catchers a little bit, and in terms of the pass catchers, let's start the tight end position because I don't think a lot of moves. Uh, the one thing I will say is within my first and second tier, I did make one adjustment, and that was to push Greg Dulcich into my tier one and slide Jalen Wademeyer down to the top of my tier two. A couple reasons for that is I think now there's legitimate – athletic concerns about Jalen Wademeyer. As I dug more into his 2021 film, there were some drop issues. I felt that there were more separation issues. Still like the player, but when I'm looking for a tight end, and especially when I'm thinking my rankings, I want a guy who I think can make an impact in the passing game. I know blocking is important. I get all that. But in today's NFL, so many teams doing different things with two tight end sets. You can have a good blocking tight end on your roster, but you want a guy in terms of whether he's the co-tight end one or just a clear tight end one, even if he's not a full-time player, even if he's a 60% snap guy. Look how look at the impact Mark Andrews had his first early on in his career when he was only playing 40, 50% of the snaps. 
a guy like Greg Dulcich, he did go to the combine and do everything. He checked off the athletic boxes. He looked good at the senior bowl. Every time you turn on more film about Greg Dulcich, it looks really impressive. So now he's bumped into my tier one. I mean, sorry, I don't have anybody in tier one. Remember, that's t- round one. All these guys I'm talking about are now my tier two. So Rucker was there. Likely was there. McBride was there. Dulcich was the top of tier two. I moved him into tier one and I moved Wademeyer down because I think the more I'm digging into this tight end group, I'm most intrigued with Ruckert and Dulcich and likely. And I know there are people who have Trey McBride clear tight end one. You know, my concerns on it. I don't have to go through it again. I got, I think he's going to be a good tight end. I just have my concerns about playing at Colorado state. He wasn't going up against top level defenders too often. The linebackers, the safeties he's going to face at the next level are going to be much quicker, much faster. He had a hard time separating in college. He's going to have to be, I know he's great at the catch point, but is that trend, is that going to translate at the next level of him dominating at the catch point? He's not a overly physical. He's got good physicality and toughness, but again, against the competition he had, will that physicality and toughness and be able to create space at the next level like it did in college at the catch point because the separation is probably even going to be less. So then can that translate? I have my concerns about that. So even in that tier two of mine, he's after Rucker, Dulcich, and Likely. I think those guys have a greater athletic profile, higher ceiling, and that's what I'm shooting for, a difference maker at the tight end position. So that's why those guys. And then my tier two, a couple small movements, uh, I already told you that Jalen Wademeyer moved to the top of my tier two. He's right next to Ch- Charlie Kolar. I don't think there's a big difference in terms of their athletic profiles, in terms of how they win. Uh, Jelani Woods moved up in that tier. He's riding a great pre-draft process. He had a great shrine week from all the reports, looked good in the game, and now really good testing numbers at the combine, really fluid in the movement drills. So Jelani Woods moves up. Now to be in the the fourth guy in that tier, it's Wademeyer, Kolar, Kate Odden, and then Jelani Woods. And then also the, Daniel Bellinger moved into the bottom of that tier. He showed really, we knew he was a great blocking tight end, but he showed some really top level athleticism, which leads you to believe that maybe he just wasn't asked to show that on his film at San Diego State. It wasn't what they asked to do, but a guy who's a big time blocker, but also checked off those type of athletic profiles at the combine. He had to move into my tier three here. He's at the bottom of the tier. And then uh, Chig Okonkwo out of Maryland, he's not going to be a traditional tight end. He's, he might be an H-back. Uh, you could do a lot of different things with him, but his size. But he could be a guy with his four or five speed that can be used in a variety of different ways at the next level. So he moved up into this tier. Jelani Woods moved into this tier. And now this is a wide tier that starts out with Wademeyer and Kolar and Auden. And then it has Jelani Woods, Grant Calcaterra, Jake Ferguson, Aconquo, and then rounds out with Cole Turner and Daniel Bellinger. So that was really the only rankings, tiers, changes of Dulcich up a tier, Wademeyer down to the top of tier two, and then Jelani Woods and Aconquo move up uh, from tier four into tier three based on how good they performed at the combine. And I think the combine matters sometimes for these tight ends. I think, you know, we want to see these athleticism. And that's why I was disappointed that we didn't see McBride run. We didn't see Likely run and we didn't see Ruckert run. But the guys, we didn't see Watermeyer run. We didn't see Kalar run. Uh, you know, most of the top tight ends, you know, in this class besides Dulcich didn't run. Uh, 
So I think for that, Dulcich is my biggest mover. And then followed by Jelani Woods and Aconquo, also biggest movers. Uh, but, I, but I'm but i intrigued by now the top uh, – my top tight end group, which is my tier two uh, of Rucker, Dulcich, Likely, and McBride. I'm intrigued with those guys, but I still think – I still think none of them should go in the first two rounds. I think Rucker and those guys should all – there should be a run in somewhere in the third round, and maybe even one of these guys falls to round four. And then I love round four, round five. That whole group of Weidemeyer to Kalar to Auden, Jelani Woods, all those guys should go round four, round five. I think round four, round five, a lot of really good functional tight ends that could step in and have a role at the next level uh, pretty soon. But I don't think anybody should go in the first 64 picks. I think even the top guys that I like should all go starting somewhere in round three. Now let's take this over to the wide receivers, which I think there was probably the least amount of movement for me in this group than any of the groups. And I think it's because we didn't really see too much that we weren't expecting. I've had Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks 1-2. I still have them 1-2. Chris Olave had a really great combine performance, but he was already my wide receiver at three. I didn't change it. Drake London was at four. Nothing happened at the combine, so I can't really think about moving him right now. Jamison Williams is injured. We know who he is. He's at five. Some people were a little bit disappointed in Jahan Dotson. I'm not going to be disappointed in a low 440 time. Uh, I still like him. He's still my sixth wide receiver in this class. He's still the last guy in my tier one. I understand that he's, I don't think he's going to go round one right now. He's probably more of a round two guy. My next tier, it's, it pretty much stayed the same in terms of the players. Wendell Robinson, John Mechie, George Pickens, David Bell, Justin Ross, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Jalen Tolbert, Khalil Shakir, and Calvin Austin. Didn't change anybody. Those were the guys that were in my tier two. They're all in my tier two. Uh, I didn't want to bring down Justin Ross because he didn't test yet. I'm still basing, and I I know my ranking on Justin Ross is going to be higher than what you see out there in the industry. I'm still basing my Justin Ross film and my eval on what we saw two years ago. And, it's the same way that some people are saying that's how you have to value Derek Stingley. That's how I'm still valuing Justin Ross. You know, he had the neck injury. Then this year, you know, it came out after the fact that he played this year mostly with, a, with another injury all year. So I'm still basing Justin Ross and what his upside could be based on what I saw a couple of years ago. Maybe that's naive, but right now for me, whether it's going to happen in the draft, and I don't think it is, a guy like Sky Moore and Christian Watson are probably going to go higher than John than Justin Ross, but I can't right now, based on someone who really takes the film eval, I can't move a guy like Sky Moore or Christian Watson as good as their film is. And I'm a fan of both of them. I can't move it over a guy who played at Clemson and dominated basically a, a, as an underclassman, as a freshman, and, and looked like a future AJ Green style player. Now maybe he's not that guy anymore. But for my rankings, I think Moore and Watson are going to go higher. I mean, for God's sakes, I, you know, talking to my good friend Brandon Jones, former, uh, you know, helped out here at Saturday to Sunday way back in the beginning, if you've been following us. And he, he did a lot of podcasts early on with us. Talking to him, he said that he's been seeing Christian Watson in late round one. And when we did, when I did the Fantasy Pros mock draft yesterday, Christian Watson went late round one. And I think down Jeremiah and, and – even Todd McShay also both might have him in their updated round one mock drafts. That's a little rich for me. So I get, but I like the player and he's oozing potential and oozing upside. But for me, Western Michigan, North Dakota State, I have a hard time putting them over 
George Pickens and what I saw he can do at Georgia when he was healthy. David Bell and what he was able to do in the Big Ten. And Justin Ross and what I saw he was able to do at Clemson. I I struggled doing that. I'm not going to put those guys over John Mechie, who dominated at Alabama. And I'm not, and I'm a big, big Wendell Robinson fan. I think he could just be a X-factor difference maker at the next level. So for me, it might seem... You know, it might seem that I'm low on Sky Moore or Christian Watson because I have Sky Moore at 12 and Christian Watson at 13. But that just shows you, one, how great of a, a class this is. And two, I'm going to favor a little bit those guys from the big-time programs who are going up against elite-level competitors. Do I think Sky Moore and Christian Watson would have done good if they played at Alabama or Purdue or, or Georgia or those programs? Yeah, I think they would have been very good. But I also think on the flip side, if Justin Ross played at Western Michigan or North Dakota State, he literally would have been unstoppable. He would have looked like Randy Moss. And same thing with George Pickens. So it's hard to get an apples-to-apples comparison with these guys. But I, but it just shows you how great of a class this is. And I move Sky Moore and Christian Watson over Jalen Tolbert, who really hasn't done anything wrong in this pre-draft process. It's just that Sky Moore and Christian Watson have been that good. And then Khalil Shakir. Calvin Austin, all those guys. So that makes up my my tier two. Uh, tier three, I would say there was some movement. I kind of shortened it up a little bit because my tier two was so big. I thought the combine helped me kind of solidify my tier three to be a little bit of a smaller group. And we have Alec Pierce from Cincinnati who tested like an athletic freak, like we expected him to, being on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Reggie Roberson, who if you go back to the summer and watch his older, you know, not this year's film, but the previous years, I thought could be a real difference maker. And then Bo Melton, Danny Gray, and Velas Jones Jr. were guys that I was really intrigued with prior to the combine. And then the the job they did at the combine, I think all of those guys are now ticket for early round four. I think all of those guys could be looked at as difference makers, X factors. Danny Danny Gray could be a guy that could really win vertically. Uh, I saw a comp from somewhere. Maybe it was Dane Brugler who said that you know he sees some Darnell Mooney uh, in his game. I can totally see that. Uh, Bo Melton and Valus Jones, I think, are guys that you can do a lot of different things and use them on jet sweeps and the touch passes. Melton could be like part running back, part slot receiver. I think you can do different things with Valus Jones Jr. I think there is an offensive playmaker. So I kind of tightened up that tier three a little bit to those five guys and then a really, really large tier four, you know, that has Romeo Dobbs, who I think has hurt himself in the pre-draft process from his senior bowl being very lackluster uh, and, and so on. He's in my tier four. Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor moved up a little bit because you can't teach speed, you know, and that blazing speed brings a lot of tactical value. Uh, Josh Johnson out of Tulsa's there. Makai Polk out of Mississippi State. Trey Turner, Ontario Drummond. Kyle Phillips, Jalen Nillar, and Isaiah Western, uh, Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa. And then, you know, the rest of the guys kind of got my tier five. So big, big movers at the wide receiver position was Sky Moore and Christian Watson moved up a little bit, probably not as much as other people. Uh, and then Bo Melton, Danny Gray, Valus Jones, they moved up a little bit too, based on their, their testing and their performance there, but not a lot, not a lot of movement. I, most of my wide receiver rankings have kind of held firm uh, just because I, I, I really think this is a really great class and, Nothing really moved the needle or surprised me. Maybe Christian Watson's score was a little bit better than I thought in the 40s. Same thing with Sky Moore. But I knew they were going to test well. And I just can't get myself to bring them over some guys like Justin Ross, David Bell, and George Pickens, or John Mechie, who you know could have been even 
selected higher if it wasn't for the injury. Uh, so not a lot of movement there. I already had Olave as my third wide receiver. I think he can legitimately be the number two wide receiver taken right after his teammate, Garrett Wilson. Uh, you know, we'll see. I, a team could even pull the, the trigger on Jamison Williams a little bit earlier than we might think. So wide receivers, not a ton in terms of stock up, stock down. Uh, but I think we saw the movement at the running backs that I discussed. We saw some movement at the tight ends and obviously a little bit there uh, at the wide receiver position. So there it is, guys. I wanted to do a post-combine uh, quick stock report in terms of my rankings and tiers uh, because we hope we really hope now that we can kind of turn the page, start bringing on some guests, pick their brain, and then obviously I want to get back now. Now that the combine is coming past, I can kind of get back to grinding some film and, and kind of continue to sort out these rankings, sort out these tiers a little bit. Uh, you know, we're kind of, you know, at the, you know, Whatever they put out there on YouTube, that's kind of what we're limited to here at Saturday, Sunday. But more stuff gets put out there, you know, dig a little bit deeper. You find some other stuff that kind of help you watch some more of these guys. So I know that running back group I talked about, I'm definitely going to be examining that a little bit closer. Uh, maybe the top of the tight end group I want to examine a little bit closer. Uh, so there's a couple things. The only one that, I, like I said, I kind of feel that my rankings are pretty close to what they're going to be, uh, you know, come draft weekend uh locked in is that wide receiver my tier one tier two wide receivers i don't really see much movement within them based on how i currently have them ranked uh, you know it'll be interesting to see the buzz that's out there but i don't really think i see myself changing my rankings all that much unless there's an injury or, or something really surprising you know that comes out from a pro day or something like that but but i doubt that and those guys have watched a lot of film those are the guys I probably felt the most confident in my eval on them. Uh, and I think that's going to kind of hold firm right up until draft weekend. So there it is, guys. Uh, if, like I said, if you've been enjoying all this content, if you're new to Saturday, Sunday, and you're a new listener, please get over to the website, check out the premium content tab, and hopefully you consider purchasing those premium notebooks. Make sure, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, you check out the most recent episode of the Fantasy Pros NFL podcast. Check out their YouTube channel as well. We did a full uh, round one mock draft. That was a lot of fun joining those guys uh, and going through a full round one mock draft, especially post-combine there as well. So on behalf of Matt and Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.